Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody listening and watching wherever and whenever this podcast finds you. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Bitcoin Weekly Wrap-Up for the 2nd of January, 2020. Happy New Year's, everybody. This week's Roundup is once again brought to you by eToro. This is a very, very cool, innovative, safe, and secure platform. They existed prior to Bitcoin. They're not some brand new fly-by-night exchange. They have been around. They have a very good reputation, and they are, you know, not just some, you know, like I said, they're not fly-by-night. They're not brand new. They're not trying to see what works and what doesn't. They've been around, and they've established themselves as being worthy of your trust. I wouldn't uh, have them as a sponsor if I hadn't done my due diligence and felt uh, safe as well as confident in recommending them to you, my listeners. It doesn't matter whether you are a beginner or an advanced trader. If you go there and you're brand new, you can use virtual trading uh, portfolios where you can practice your trading with fake money on real order books. You can use copy trading where you can just find actually really experienced and expert traders. You can uh, uh, allocate a portion of your portfolio, whether it's one, five, 10 or a hundred percent, and you can allocate uh, to as many uh traders as you'd wish and whenever they make a trade it copies it and they get a little bit of the profit off the top for taking advantage of their experience but you get the full advantage of their experience and their knowledge without having done all the work to get there if you're an experienced trader like i just mentioned there's copy trading if you establish yourself in the community they have a basically a social media platform there uh, there as well of about 11 million traders and if you establish yourself you you make a reputation for yourself people begin to trust you and then they begin to copy your trades and then you get a little bit off the top you can basically instead of just having a thousand five $100,000 in your own portfolio, you can have access and be able to skim profits off those same trades off a much, much larger portfolio of other traders who are copying your trades. So head over to didyouknowcrypto.com slash eToro. That's didyouknowcrypto.com slash E-T-O-R-O. If you use that, it's my affiliate link, but that lets them know that you came through me, which makes them happy, makes me happy. But once you deposit, I believe the minimum deposit is about 200 bucks, you will get $50 for free. So head on over there, sign up. Everybody wins at eToro. Um, so welcome again to the beautiful By the Bay Basement Studios. Joined as always by my 1995 Batman Forever McDonald's Riddler Cup, filled today with water again because I am just trying to be a little bit more healthier in the new year, and I love to live a cliche. Today we will be covering stories uh, about John McAfee, about Justin Sun and Greta Thunberg, uh, Iota, as well as Ripple, and of course, Craig Wright. Um, but first, let's look at price real quick. Since last week's weekly wrap-up, price remained stable over the last seven days, basically as we rolled into the new year, uh, pretty much sitting around 7200 But in the last 24 hours, that's on the 2nd of January, it's fallen again to sitting at 69.32 as of the 2nd of January 2020. Um, today's first story is the most important one of the year that of the world renowned cybersecurity expert, John McAfee, um, and whether or not he will be forced to eat his own manhood. If you don't remember 
the most serious price prediction in Bitcoin history occurred in June of, excuse me, 2017, where he said he would eat his own manhood on national television if Bitcoin was not worth $500,000 by the end of this year. Well, it's officially now the first few days of 2020. And I just mentioned the price is at 6932 And he, it's going to need to rise by 1300 or 13,800% over the next 363 days. Um, that's around $1,357 or $1,357 a day. And actually, I did these calculations when it was at 72. So it's actually a little bit higher than that. But, you know, I wish John all the best. I love him. There's nobody quite like him. If you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's a beautiful uh, a train wreck of, of both genius and eccentricity. So um, I'd recommend following him if you enjoy things of that nature. Uh, the next story is about crypto's favorite little attention whore, I guess if you want to use that term, Justin Sun, who recently pledged $1 million to Greta Thunberg's climate change initiative. And just as a side note, I think it's terrible to use a child as a front man for a cause, but it is insanely smart because in both politics and culture, the battles are rarely actually with the ideas themselves, but with the people that fight for them. And by using a child, they insulate themselves and make any attack uh, on their positions, if made, uh, or on that person as being petty and mean. You're attacking a child, for goodness sake. You know, it's it, it is it's insanely smart. I have to give it up to the handlers who who created this the the Greta meme. They did a, a really stupendous job, and uh, they are very much a credit to whatever marketing agency that they come from. Um, so back to Justin, though, uh, you know he's doing his normal thing. He's wowing people with his announcements and buying relevancy versus actually creating anything of value. Now he made his bones in crypto by his big announcement after announcement after announcement after announcement that ended up really more often than not or pretty much 100% of the time really being nothing of value. It was always a big announcement of, of a partnership that never turned out to be anything or the partnerships as usually goes on with crypto in any of these projects like, oh, we're partnering with MasterCard. Oh, well, what they really mean is they went and they had a meeting with MasterCard um, blockchain's a buzz so they basically assigned it to an intern's intern said hey look over this thing if there's anything interesting let us know and that's usually what these things turn out to be um but then he actually kind of upped his game he made a big splash last year by spending 4.6 million dollars to uh win a lunch with warren buffett um ultimately this is actually yet to even happen uh it got uh, not canceled, but it got postponed and then postponed again. Um, Justin has supposedly said he re he's rescheduling it, but this is already back in September. Uh, and three months later, you know, still nothing. Uh, this is, you know, just another, 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 another example of Justin's son using money he got from gullible investors and taking it, using it to make his own star shine just a little bit brighter. Um, he released a statement, though, regarding this donation of $1 million that, quote, decentralized settlement and decentralized finance are completely run by computers. 
thus eliminating the need for ledger documentation and management records kept on paper, unquote. And then he went on to tout his proof of stake system as being more energy efficient, energy efficient than Bitcoin and everything like that. Now, it's unclear how he thinks that really, especially in the historical scheme of things, the relatively small amount of paperwork that's still left in the financial industry is going to eliminating that is going to make any real difference in the actual global climate change crisis that he's seeing that needs to be tackled by this one million dollar investment. And, you know. Don't want to give any spoiler alerts, but blockchain blockchain doesn't change the climate and another spoiler alert justin doesn't care he just wants headlines so there you go that's my take on justin's son and greta uh let's now look at a story that doesn't involve either abused or spoiled children uh, iota experienced a software bug that shut down the network for over 15 hours and IOTA is a, it's kind of a goofy thing. It's been around for about three years now. It was touted as an Ethereum killer. And we've heard that before many times as Ethereum was touted as a Bitcoin killer, uh, most famously by the crypto genius. I don't know if you guys remember him, um, but he wanted like $2,000 to unlock all his secrets from the crypto genius, which if you actually read all the stuff, it basically was just buy Ethereum. And this is why. Um and that's worked out really well for everybody who did follow that advice, right? Uh, IOTA's big claim to fame, though, is the, the Tangle, right? Instead of the blockchain, they have the Tangle, which they claim is more efficient, it's more scalable, and it is fee-free, right? Basically free to use. There's no fees. And it's something to connect the Internet of Things in the future. That's kind of like their big use case and what everybody who supports IOTA talks about. Uh, now, the Tangle works very roughly by connecting each new transaction to two previous ones, um, creating basically a very small block. And this doesn't adjust the hash rate in the way that uh, Bitcoin's consensus model does. And this brings up a big problem uh, with, quote unquote, fee free transactions. How does it defend against spam transactions on the network that would exponentially grow it, right? So with Bitcoin, if somebody's trying to spam the network, uh, basically as blocks get full, uh, fees go higher and that disincentivizes people from doing it. There, there's other um, fixes for that, but we don't necessarily have to go into that. Um, but it makes it, like I said, impossible to to defend against spam transactions in in uh iota um and because it's you know gonna just make it grow bigger and bigger and bigger and then it makes it impossible to grow the ledger or to i'm sorry to validate the ledger after it just if it just grows with these fee-free spam transactions right so this means that they would have to hard fork anytime there's a major change in the network hash rate to make it functional again it's not a good thing. They also tout a quote unquote, and their fix for this is their central coordinator as a solution to prevent spam attacks. This coordinator decides what is a spam transaction and what is not. And this really negates any really veil of decentralization within the system. It's not that built in. There's some sort of fee structure uh, to, to help negate this. It's literally a central coordinator in a decentralized quote-unquote decentralized system so let's just give a little bit of background on it what happened on sunday was what they call a minor bug um 
not minor at all, but it was a bug where IOTA doesn't basically account for a transaction that is shared between two bundles. That meant that one bundle would mark it counted while the second bundle uh, was just completely ignored by the network. This caused the entire network to be completely unusable for about 15 hours. But it's currently back up as of this recording on the 2nd of January. Um, just think, though. They want to be the inter- they want to be the the central hub for the Internet of Things in the future. If this if IOTA was actually being used, and like none of their marketing, none of their talk, anything, it's ever said, hey, you know, we're still in experiment experimentation phase. You know, all their all their PR is, you know, we're ready for business. We're doing a partnership with Jaguar. We're ready to go. If this was used, if this had actually reached some sort of mass adoption, right, over the last year or two, and was used by a large amount of companies and people, if they ran the Internet of Things, entire homes, offices, hospitals, would have basically been rendered unusable. They call this a minor bug only because it is not being used for anything useful or for what, any, you know, for anything that anybody cares about, right? It's just a, a small group of IOTA supporters that are going, hey, what's up, man? The network's not working. It's not mass pandemonium because every other hospital in the world is now offline because everything that was connecting them is down for 15 hours, right? If it was actually successful, this would have been catastrophic. So let's just hope it never is successful. Uh, Ripple is back in the news again recently, or I should say yesterday on the, uh, on January 1st, they unlocked from the XRP escrow wallet, uh, another 1 billion tokens to be sold in the open market. Now, if you weren't around back in 2017, or if you just don't remember back in December of 2017, uh, Ripple placed 55 billion, yes, billion with a B, uh, in escrow, 55 billion. Uh, it would release 1 billion XRP per month at the first of every month for the next 55 months. And we're almost halfway through this period. We're 24 months with 31 left to go. And this has been a great boon, a great windfall for the folks at Ripple, the company behind XRP. Uh, this often gets, uh, they, they get very testy if you call the coin Ripple versus XRP or whatever, but the company Ripple, the people who run it, the people who created it, the people who profit from it, um, all their head honchos have been doing very well with all of this. So David Schwartz, he is the CTO of Ripple, responded to criticisms that people, uh, the criticisms of this continuing thing and the fact that it gets unlocked to them and then they sell it and then they get to keep the money. David Schwartz, uh, like I said, the CTO of Ripple, uh, responding to these criticisms, um, said that people who buy X, the XRP that they unlock are not giving Ripple, the company, money. Um, since they have been, you know, venture capital, angel invested uh, or angel funded since the very beginning, and that they're only selling negligible, the, the amount that they're getting in these sales is negligible amounts compared to the other funding that they've received. Problem is, is that's, that's really far from the truth. Uh, looking at their stats, you will see they have raised, uh, and this I got from a tweet by uh, Mike Dudas, and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, is that if you look at their stats, they've raised a total, a total of $294 million in equity funding. 
but they've also raised 1.2 billion US dollars from XRP sales. That's far, far from negligible. And it's their largest profit center by many, many multiples. You know, Ripple also claims to make money from the sale of software to banks. But when Larry Cermak of The Block um, asked, you know, in, in the tweet, he uh, commented and asked uh, what percentage of their 2019 revenues came from the sales of XRP versus from the sale of this banking software that they're selling. Um, David Schwartz responded by hiding behind the veil of corporate secrets, stating that they, you know, don't disclose that information, that the decision's not his. Okay. Um, he then attempted to compare their monthly sales, or at least this uh, this month's value of that 1 billion uh, tokens of $192 million in XRP to, he was trying to compare it to Bitcoin miners selling Bitcoin to cover their costs. Problem with that analogy is that miners have costs of production. They aren't given a monthly allowance that they created for themselves that goes straight to their pocket. And the other issue is, is that they are, like I said, they are selling to cover costs, right? They are selling because they have to. If they don't cover those costs, they go out of business. Schwartz, if you remember what I said just a few seconds ago, was he stated specifically that they don't need the sales of XRP to fund themselves, Right. They have all this banking software and angel investment, which leads you to believe of why do they even need to make the sales at all? Why don't they just or make the sales and donate it? Why don't they make the sales and and without uh, equity uh, create companies that support the XRP network? But they're not doing that. They are keeping the money for themselves. I don't know. Make your own decisions. And lastly, I can't let this weekly wrap-up go without... Oh, I don't have music queued up, but it would go something like... Bum, bum, bum. January 1st, 2020 came, and as of yet... Ooh, let's go to a block explorer. Actually, I don't need to. Satoshi's coins are still there. Um, if you remember, I do a lot of reporting on Craig, not because... Um, not because of the way that BSV say, you know, people like, well, you guys talk about him more than we do. It's like, uh, well, that is actually true. Uh, but that is because they are, they can't, well, they are losing reasons to talk about him. If for one, um, they've been, if you notice, there's been more and more distancing from Craig um, over the past six months. As I think a lot of them are starting to realize that, you know, after the 15th promise that isn't kept, um, just, you know, just let's just take the last few months. Um, you know, the, the Segwit flaw was never exploited, even though he said that it would and that there would be no Bitcoin BTC uh, in, after 2019. Um, there has, uh, you know, he made a price prediction of $1,200. Uh, they're currently sitting at, Oh, let's see if it's even listed. Um, $92 right now. So it's slightly below 1200 And also the biggest one that we have to talk about is the fact that the couriers are supposed to deliver, even though now the story is, well, I never said it was actually January, but multiple times 
in statements and in legal documents. It was January 1st, 2020. Now the story is, well, we never said it was going to be exactly in January. Uh, it might be, you know, uh, later on this year or it might be another two years. But we're going to start meeting with the trustees and start to discuss how we're going to do all this. Well, there's there's a couple problems with this. Like I said, January 1st, 2020 was a date given before. And the idea that someone who has $8 billion or 6 to $8 billion in Bitcoin locked up can't remember the date he's supposed to get this stuff, can't remember any of the, uh, can't have a coherent and consistent story, right? If I had $1 million, if I had $10,000 in Bitcoin, right? And that's just because I can't go into full billionaire mode like Craig can. Um, you know, if I had even a negligible amount of Bitcoin that was going to be released to me, I would know the date, I would know when I was going to get it. I would know how I was going to get it. And another th thought that I expressed in, on Twitter today was that when you hire a bonded courier, the point of a bonded courier is this. A courier is somebody, um, so a, a courier can be somebody who delivers your Amazon packages, right? And you don't want just any Joe Schmo off the street grabbing Amazon packages from UPS or the U.S. Postal Service to deliver to your house because what happens if he takes it? You really have no recourse. You could probably talk to Amazon, say I never got it, right, or whatever, and, the, and Amazon's good about refunding it. But, you know, um, from Amazon packages to delivering jewelry, let's say you own a jewelry store and you want um, somebody from another jewelry store wants to buy a $10,000 diamond necklace from you. Well, you're not going to stick that in the mail. What you do with high value stuff um, is you hire a bonded courier. And like I said, most couriers are technically supposed to be bonded. A lot of them really aren't, at least I found from my research. They'll say they are, and most people just take that uh, at, at face value. But for something of high value, you are going to hire a bonded courier. And the bonded portion of it means that they basically have insurance against theft. So let's say you send that necklace and it never arrives. Now you can go to that courier company, say, I didn't get it. And just like U.S. Postal Service insurance, you show that it was sent. You can show that it was never received. And... You know, and they will then go and search their system, try to find it. And once they find that, if they find it, then they'll get it to you. Uh, if they don't, then that insurance will pay out. And it's basically an incentive by that company, or if it's just a sole individual doing the courier service to not steal, because if they have too many uh, insurance claims, they will start to get higher and higher premiums. It's a disincentive to do so. Or they'll just get dropped altogether and nobody will co cover them and then they'll lose their their business. So, it's, it's a reason why you hire someone like that. Um, so with something like this, they've talked about the bonded courier for the Tulip Trust. It's supposed to be, I believe, five separate documents complaining, uh, containing shards of the Shamir secret key sharing scheme. When put together, this will unlock the encryption to the uh, public and private keys that will allow him to move the, um, the Satoshi coins. Um. The problem is that if you look in the original tool trust document, you will see that um, it was $100,000 worth of Bitcoin has now since gone up in value. Supposedly, Dave was the one who signed, um, who did all this, you know, uh, all this stuff. And, and Craig has gone out of his way to say, well, and I believe it was in the court deposition. 
that may have been the first time, the court deposition from last year, June, I believe, where he said, well, yeah, Dave set up the bonded courier, but I specifically asked him. I didn't want to know where the courier was so, I, so that I, you know, there, there couldn't be any funny business and I go and try to get it from the, the courier or whatever. Um, which, you know, that, that brings up, I'll digress slightly too, because all, you know, the BSV people are saying, well, he doesn't even care. He's going to donate it all. Craig said he's going to donate it all to education in Africa or whatever. You know, but the thing is like, you know, if you didn't care, like his whole thing was like, I want to destroy it, but then Dave stopped me. Um, it's like, okay, so if he's holding on to it for you to get at a later date, you obviously care enough to agree with him not to destroy it. So why do you need to have it hid from you? Like knowing who the bonded courier is, is a very important piece of information. Um, the idea that it's not in these trust documents is insane. That you have an unknown courier who's just going to show up or not, right, with this value in Bitcoin. Um, problem is that when you hire a, a bond insurance, so let's use instead of, uh, instead of Bitcoin, let's just say it, it was um, uh, David Craig had uh, created a, uh, a necklace that was worth $100,000. Um, and you would put it in and you would put get this bond courier to take the package and say, it's going to be delivered on January 1st of 2020, or, and this is also an important note, 15 months after Dave's death, if that occurs, which would have put the time that that courier should have, um, that that courier should have delivered it in July of 2014, but that's beside the point. And you put it away. Well, let's just say in the meantime, there's a diamond shortage uh, and, and, or let's just say some terrorist attack blows up, uh, 30% of the world's diamond mines. And then that diamond necklace goes from a hundred thousand dollars to a hundred million dollars. And now you have a hundred million dollar thing that's being held by these bonded insurance, uh, bonded couriers with insurance only covering a hundred thousand dollars. They don't adjust, right? Because just like U.S. Postal uh, Service Insurance. If you have a package that's worth a million dollars and you only insure it for a hundred thousand and it gets lost, you don't get to go and say, "Oh, well, I, uh, I you know, it's worth a million, so I want that now." You only get insured, you only get paid out for what you the the premium and the insurance amount you agreed upon at the point of sale. Now, more than likely, these companies are would be willing to increase the coverage or decrease it while they're holding it over time um, based on the, the value fluctuations of that or if there's a sudden decrease or increase in value, depending on what the client wanted. But this would require an increase in the cost of holding that because the premium uh, for that amount of insurance especially eight, six to $8 billion would be astronomical. So there, there's a couple things that I don't believe any of this, but let's just push the I believe button. If Craig is right, this means that for the past seven, almost seven years now, um, I think it'll be in April. I think it's when it was signed. So it'll be like seven years in April. For the past seven years, they've been entrusting the encryption that would unlock the keys to $8 billion in value 
only insured by a $100,000 policy. Or someone who has a lot of money has knows who this bonded courier is, which means that he's a liar. Now, both of them, um, he is a, a liar that's been proven in court. Uh, but uh, more than likely, it's also just, or it's not say more than likely, it's absolutely BS. The idea that you would trust that is just absolutely ignorant. Um, that that you would allow that amount of money to be held. That and the fact that you are going to allow some rando people to be sitting on $8 billion worth and just let it sit there. When according to the own trust documents, he could get it now. He could have gotten it any time, right? So anyways, the bonded courier has not shown up as of the 2nd of January. It's never going to show up. Uh, like I said in a previous wrap-up, the most likely scenario is going to be some sort of Dave fucked it up. Um, you know, he didn't pay this and the, the couriers disposed of it. Um, uh, the bonded couriers went out of business um or or they they fucked up the encryption in any ways or they keep on talking about ira overwriting these hard drives the the actual the file that would unlock this is in there right there's going to be some excuse but i couldn't let this week's wrap up go without mentioning you know my favorite little piggy mr mr craig wright so anyways i hope you guys enjoyed this week's bitcoin weekly wrap up um please uh head over to digitalcrypto.com slash eToro, help support my sponsors. Um, please subscribe, uh, leave a review on iTunes. If you're in YouTube, I'll get this right one of these days, guys on YouTube, go over here, hit the red subscribe button. If you're on mobile, it'll be a little bit lower in the, uh, in the gray area, right above the show notes. Um, hit that notification button as well. The little bell lets you know every time I upload a video and, you know, uh, I already said to show love to my sponsor, so I don't need to do that, but I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for watching the uh, listener numbers or have been, um, steadily increasing, not by a lot, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit, so that's good. I really ask that you share. I really ask that you engage as well. I want to hear from more of you, the numbers I'm seeing of people listening. Um, I want to hear from more of you guys. So reach out, let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. I'm a big boy and I need to hear constructive criticisms. So let me know. Won't promise that I'll do what you've asked or said that I should do, but I will absolutely listen and take that into account. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening and have a great night. <laughs>